Now, researchers are constantly looking into ways of how we can expand and improve COVID-19 tests. Air New Zealand employees undertaking regular surveillance testing are participating in an Institute of Environmental Science and Research study that will test saliva for the virus. The study will include the Saliva Direct COVID-19 testing technology developed by Nathan Grubauer and New Zealander Anne Wiley at Yale University in the US. The ACT Party has come out this morning calling for daily mandatory saliva tests for border and MIQ staff. So just how efficient is saliva testing at detecting COVID-19? I'm joined now by Dr Anne Wiley from the United States. A very good morning to you. Yes, good morning. I understand you were recently in New Zealand. That's correct. I was very fortunate to come home over the holiday period. So what was your observation of how we're dealing with things here? Yeah, I mean, I think like any other Kiwi who's overseas at the moment and so many else around the world, it's just incredible to see how, you know, everyone is just really, well, seems to be working together on this and, you know, just joining together, doing what they need to do to help get on top of outbreaks, help eliminate community spread. It's, yeah, really inspiring to see. How effective is the test that you helped develop? Yeah, it's uh, it's very effective. So um, it is still a PCR test. So it's just like, you know, exactly so the sort of same technology that's being used on those nasal swabs. Yep. And um, we actually validated our method with the National Basketball Association over here. So you may have heard of the NBA bubble and yes. how well they did. And yep. uh, that was done um, with our test. So very effective. So that was, you didn't put it quite that way because you're too modest, but basically that was because of you, that the NBA was able to go ahead. <laughs> yes, but also with their support, we were also able to develop the test. So, you know, a little bit of um, give and take there. So did it start off effective or did you have to work on making it more effective at detecting the virus? I wanted to make sure it could be as effective as possible. You know, um, you know, we started playing with this back in, in quite yeah, quite literally playing with it back in um, April. You know, we had already seen that saliva had potential for the detection of SARS-CoV-2. And, you know, we're wondering how can we make this test cheaper? How can we make it easier? How can we make it faster? You know, mm. there's still such a dire need here in the US for testing. So anything we could do to try and increase access to testing. So I was setting up a PCR one day, so setting up the way that you detect the virus. And I just thought, well, what happens if we put the saliva just straight into here? You know, what do we see? And, you know, it wasn't anywhere near perfect, but it was promising. And um, so then just, um, you know, learn, taking what I'd learned from working with saliva for other studies, we sort of just tweaked that in a number of steps. And, you know, we wanted it to be as sensitive as possible. I mean, this was April, May last year, and we just, we were terrified of false negatives. You know, we didn't mm. know what it would mean if you, what would it would mean if, you know, you just missed someone who, could potentially, you know, transmit that to someone else, you know, see a sick relative, take it in, into a nursing home, for example. So, yeah, we really had sensitivity in mind and making sure it could be as accurate as possible. Why then is it not being taken up more widely? If it, you know, it's all very well and good to have a theory and, and that's great and lots of scientists have them and it's all very well and good to have a prototype. But this is something that has worked and, and has been seen to have worked why then is it not being used more widely instead of the invasive nasal swab, which I've had one of, and I was a bit of a sick. <laughs> I did not like it. I really don't like them either. <laughs> I mean, it stays with you all day. It's, they're awful. Um, I think 
I mean, it's it's hesitation. I mean, saliva is not a traditional sample type. I mean, when else do you really ever go to the doctor and give, you know, a saliva sample for anything versus maybe if someone's been really sick with flu before, you might be familiar with the nasal swabs that they do. So first of all, it's not traditional sample type. Um, And I think, you know, I think there have been a lot of sort of conflicting studies that have come out about saliva. Um, we actually have an incoming uh, MPH student, Steph Tan, who's actually in New Zealand at the moment and also doing a lot, um, driving a lot of these conversations about testing. And, you know, she's collated the data for us. And if you just look at all of these studies, you know, it, it doesn't paint a very clear picture. But what you do see is that there are a really large number of studies that are doing really, really well with saliva. And then there's those that aren't. And when you look at those, it's those who have just taken that same approach that they use for swabs. Mm. And they try and use that same approach on saliva. And I mean, if you think about your saliva and how that's probably quite a different sample to whatever swab they're getting from your nose, Mm. you can't just take something that works for something and apply it to something else and hope that it works. So I think those studies have sort of, you know, um, cause a little bit of confusion. Um, So we're trying to get the word out there of, you know, which studies do actually really work you know, if you work with the right method, work with the right approach, you know, it can be a much easier sample type to take on a much more regular basis. And, you know, if you can increase the frequency of testing, you know, there's less, you know, things that fall through the gaps. I read the interview you did with Claire Delore in the New Zealand Listener, and one of the questions Claire asked was, um, will the coronavirus saliva test eventually evolve along the lines of a home pregnancy test, which would be fantastic, if that were the case? I don't. Yeah, I do know people who are working on it um, and, you know, I've talked to, it's, I think that's one of the amazing things about what's actually come out of the pandemic is that so many people are just so ready and willing to work together, to collaborate, to talk, to share experience, you know, so, you know, I've talked to many other labs who are sort of trying to also make saliva work for them. And so there are people looking at that because, indeed, if you, again, if you just do this at home, you know, test yourself in the morning just to know what your risk is. Um, you know, these tests aren't as sensitive as a PCR test, mm-hmm. but they can still give you a little bit of a window of security so that you know that it's okay to go out and go into a crowded place or go and, you know, see a vulnerable relative or something. Um, you know, that can still give a bit of peace of mind for that time. And... Yeah, I guess if if people are wanting to travel or needing to travel, the airlines can ask for the saliva test and be reassured. That's right. And, you know, that's what we are seeing, especially, yeah, you know, around the rest of the world. And I know that, yeah, coming into New Zealand now as well, you need to have your negative tests. But Mm. same thing, if you could do something at the gate, if it was faster, because, I mean, to be honest, the three days beforehand does leave that window that, you know, it's not going to say that during that three days that you pick something up. So if you do something at the gate to know, are you actually infectious and, you know, preventing those potentials for transmission. Working with the coronavirus, were you worried about your own protection, your own safety, or were there sufficient uh, protections in place in the lab to give you peace of mind? Well, I mean, we work, you know, we've worked, I've worked in medical microbiology sort of for the past sort of 10 years now, and, you know, we all work with very different sort of bacteria and viruses in the lab. So, you know, working with the samples, we were okay, um, to be honest, it's people that we're scared of the most you know does other people are following the guidelines that they're supposed to but you know our lab team you know we were in lab almost 24 7 throughout most of you know the very early months of the pandemic and 
we just had to be so we trusted each other so much you know everyone else had their bubbles and in the end you know our lab was almost our bubble and just being sure of what we were doing outside of lab because if one of us took an infection into lab and we suddenly wiped out our lab you know that would have you know really thrown a spanner in the works so um we had to trust each other a lot and just really look out for each other that way yeah i i can imagine and what about people in your community in your friendship group do they is the fear around COVID such that it has affected relationships you might have had with people? Uh, they have. It's been really interesting. I've been very fortunate to have quite a close-knit uh, circle of friends here. And if anything, it's almost brought us together closer. We've um, done a lot of uh, uh, sort of like um, video messaging, you know, just checking and talking with each other that way. Um, but it's interesting because you do realise that, you know, throughout the year you don't meet new people, you know, you don't have new people come into your life. We've had friends who have moved away during this time, so our groups just got smaller rather mm. than anything. And it's it's also just really interesting. So, I mean, I feel very fortunate that everyone in our uh, friend group took things very seriously. I mean, you still see people, you know, the majority of us, we've barely been anywhere, you know. We've, I've been to a supermarket once in the last year by my wow. time in New Zealand, you know. I've been out to brunch once in the last year kind of thing. Um, you know, I maybe I am, you know, every now and then I think maybe there is more of my life that I could be living right now. But at the same time, you know, me putting myself out there further puts me more at risk. It puts me at risk of catching it and passing it on to someone else. And, you know, if I can get through this knowing that I didn't infect someone else, which could have led to a much worse outcome for someone else, you know, I think I would rather have that than feel guilty about, you know, potentially hurting someone else. And has the research, is it still your main focus, these saliva tests, or are you moving on to something else? It's it's definitely still my main focus. So we have actually rolled out Saliva Direct. We um, so yeah, the way that we do it is we're not selling anything, we're not distributing anything. It's just it's essentially just knowledge sharing. And um, what we're doing is we're helping labs get on board with our method. We're helping talk them through it. So there's now 93 labs in 33 states around the country. Um, I know that the Philippines Red Cross has just taken on um, Saliva Direct as well and that many other sort of universities are sort of running their own sort of versions inspired by Saliva Direct. So we're continuing to work on the protocol, but it's been really inspiring to see this network of labs that have come up and what we realise we can now do with that is help community groups to connect to those labs. So we're now really help trying to drive, um, it's called K-12 testing, which is essentially primary school through intermediate, through high school testing. You know, the schools over here really, really need testing to be able to open and stay open. So we're just trying to try, you know, we're trying to find those schools who need testing and connect them to the different labs and just, you know, help set up testing programs. So... That's what we're really trying to do at the moment. I just can't understand why we haven't adopted it. I mean, and while we're still trialling it and, you know, given that you know, we, we desperately want to keep, this seems to be the stated thing as elimination. So, uh, you know, any tool in the toolbox. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, tools are, you know, multiple tools are mm. important, you know. I mean, that's exactly one of the reasons why we also did this. We saw that very early on swabs rang and it ran out, you know, People don't like swabs. I think, you know, New Zealand has done such a good job that it needs 
you know, I can understand that people want to be sure that they have something else right. You know, what if they suddenly introduced this new test and what if it wasn't good enough and, you know, you suddenly had a major leak at the border, you know, there would be, you know, there's a lot of responsibility landing on people if this goes wrong. So I can understand it. Um, I've been very, I've been very, pleased that New Zealand's had the time to try to figure things out um, whereas you know you know just all of the lockdowns everything that people have done has really bought you that time you know mm. being at home over Christmas and New Year's just seeing people just living essentially normal lives uh, for so many I know it's not the case for everyone but um, you know it's giving you time to enjoy that it's giving you time to figure out what works what doesn't and how to plan things going forward while trying to keep as many people as safe and healthy as possible. Well, thank you for the work that you are doing and 35 years old. It seems impossibly young to be at the forefront of science. It's amazing. I can't believe it. (laughs) It must be really exciting. It must be like the ultimate kind of, you know, um, well, not a treasure hunt so much, but I love the way that whenever um, I've spoken to researchers and scientists who are researchers, even if you end up coming to a cul-de-sac, it's not lost because you've learnt so much <laughs> along the way and you go, okay, so not there, but how about down this road or let's take what we yeah. learned here and adapt it to this that we were working on some time ago. It's just the most wonderful puzzle solving. It really is. And, I, you know, we've learnt so much the past year and I think just, again, just everyone working together so much, I think we've really driven what, you know, even just scientific research, medical research, I think so many of these new practices that we're picking up are just going to really be a benefit for us for years to come, I think. So I it's, think so. Uh, it's mm. been a hard time. It's been a very challenging time for so many people. Um, from the science time, it's been exciting, yeah. very hard. Um, but, yeah. Good on you. Lovely to talk with you, Dr. Anne Wiley who is the Associate Research Scientist in Epidemiology at the Yale School of Public Health, one of um, those who developed the Saliva Direct COVID-19 testing technology, and the sooner it is here, the better.